Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 313 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers. Here in person with Megan Francis. Woohoo! Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. From across the room. From across the room. Uh, many of you are probably tired of this already, but if you've been watching our <laughs> too bad <laughs> our Instagram, um, now last weekend was filled with our Santa Barbara time together, our long-awaited reunion, and then if you listen to Sundays More Than Mom, we also recorded that episode from the same room. So uh, thanks for sticking with our excitement. And thanks to everybody who has just said that you're so excited. I mean, I think Megan, all over the country, people are starting to plan reunions of different kinds and see some friends and reschedule canceled girls, girls trips and all of that. So by the time you all hear this, we will be back in our separate lands, kind of living our, you know, like crawling out of COVID life, I guess. But We are together today. We're talking today about our memories of baby's first year month by month. Um, So this was a great idea, Megan, that you had. We love to do episodes about babies, but we don't have babies anymore. And many of you don't either. Many of you are in our stage of life. So we like to do it with a little bit of like look back and nostalgia. And I think that's I think that's fun for those of us who are beyond babies. But then maybe some perspective giving for those of you who are in the middle of it. So we're basically going to go month by month and just share like a, like some things that floated right to the surface of our yeah. memory about that stage, both, both generally and or specific to our babies. Um, and so Megan, I was going to ask you in general, do you have a good memory of baby's first year? And like, did you write things down or how, how do you remember what you remember? I didn't really write things down with any regularity after Jacob. I had a baby book with Jacob. I think I started one with Isaac by the third and beyond. I think I was on like tweeting about it. I know. I, Twitter, you know Twitter, yeah. I think like Twitter was my Although baby for me, book. Twitter really wasn't till Clara. So Owen and Will is kind of a, I, I don't know. I was writing parenting columns every week back in those days. I mean, I wrote a parenting column from the time Owen was a little baby until he was older. So it's all captured somewhere, but not in like that timeline yeah. kind of a way. But I do think in the first year, I was so I was so obsessed with baby content and babies that I think the first year it was just really easy to peg those milestone things to what yep. actually happened for the most part. And there's a couple exceptions I'll talk about. But um, I just had a really good idea of what was normal and expected and then what my babies did that did or did not fit with that for the most part. And most of that has stuck in my memory. So yeah. pretty good. Yeah, same. Yeah. I, I also have a pretty good memory. In general, my memory is almost always tied to seasons or timelines anyway. That's like if I have a memory, not just a baby memory, but if I see a picture or remember a moment, my brain does this thing where I like I like cycle through other data that's there. Like what house mm. was I living in? What time of what time? What was the weather out? 
like, you know, then I, and my brain is able to anchor those things to pretty accurately. I mean, of course I miss sometimes and sometimes like things get out of sync and I misremember, but almost always my memories are very tied anyway to chronology, to a time of year or a specific year or even a specific month. So that makes it pretty easy. When I look back at my babies, I can tell you like, oh, we had just gone on that trip to Chicago, which I know was for Allison's wedding. Right. So it was March. Like I just have a date oriented um, brain anyway. So it, it does make my baby memories pretty easy to tie to a specific time or month. Um, I didn't really write things down, but I have a lot of photos. And in my Google photos now, because I mean, Allegra, I did have a different camera and those are a little different, but Reed and Violet, everything's in Google photos. And like when we were prepping this episode, Violet was born in January of 2013. I just typed in April of 2013 because I wanted a quick visual of like what three months yeah. was like. And all the photos from that month, I don't have, they're not in album. They're not in digital albums or right. I just, thank you, Google. Thank you, internet. It just is so searchable. So that also kind of helps me anchor things in time, the photos, as opposed to a baby book. So I didn't write things down, but but the photos are now serving as that verification that what I remember is true. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really, I didn't start using Google photos till Clara was a baby. And so the earliest I go back, like if I click on their faces and goes yeah. back, like it's, I have a couple baby photos of Clara, but really none of the other kids on there. Yeah. So I do have to do a lot more work. And Owen and Will unfortunately fall into this weird in-between phase where people were using digital cameras and smartphones more, but they weren't very good yet. Yeah. And there wasn't cloud really. Yeah. So like some of those are just lost yeah. to time. Yeah. I printed enough. I feel good about how many I did print, but, yeah. but I'm sure I wish I would have more. I would have more. So yeah. Well, we are going to take a break and then literally go month by month. I want to say really briefly, we're going to touch on developmental milestones. And I know that can be tricky for for some people, especially if you're a brand new mom and you're more anxiously wired. So when we're talking about things like rolling over or crawling, like if you've listened to this show for any length of time, like, you know, we firmly believe there's a wide range of normal. You have access to your trusted healthcare provider if you do think there's a delay. And we definitely aren't trying to create any like, anxiety or jealousy. But I know in, in new mom circles, it can become very competitive of like who's crawling and who's not. So like that is for sure not the point of this episode. Um, and I think you'll find when you hear about our babies that like we exemplify a wide range of normal. But yep. among our eight, we also didn't have any significant developmental delays. Yeah. And so we recognize that not our timeline is not everyone's timeline. And that is not the point of this episode. I no, guess. and I don't really think that we're getting too much into developmental milestones, except just to say this is one thing that stood out or right. didn't, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes I think I do this sometimes accidentally make it sound like everyone, you all know how babies crawl at nine right. months, right? Like, of course we know that that's not the case for everybody. Right. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. 
And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, so we are going 12 months total, and the first month is like basically a newborn, like a zero-month-old. They have yeah. not even turned one month, and we're going to take turns. So, Megan, what's your biggest impression of a newborn? So my biggest impression of this time is just a squishy little scrunched up thing, <laughs> all like fists and like neck rolls and milk dribbling everywhere. And I feel like this isn't really a developmental thing, but this is more like a time thing. I just feel like time slows down because everything takes forever at that phase. Like nursing takes forever. Mm -hmm. Baby falls asleep constantly or they just nurse a lot. Um, or you aren't really sure if they're done. You know what I mean? Like there's just a lot of that. Or um, you get stuck in like uncomfortable positions for a long period of time because the baby falls asleep while you're holding it or you're changing their diaper or their little gown. And that takes forever because you have to like unfold them. Like you have to stretch their little arm out and then pull it off and then stretch the mm -hmm. other little arm out and like unsnap the little legs and like the diaper. It's just, everything feels slow and methodical. And in my memory, this is a very like gentle and fuzzy time, but not a lot going on. Yeah. Like it's not like the baby's not doing much and you're not doing much. It's just this kind of scrunched up little window of slowness with very little delineation of time. I yes. think that's what was coming back as you were talking. Like now our lives are so by the time you have an older baby, it's like feeding and nap and right. this and everything has clear delineation, even if it's still kind of monotonous. But this was all happening at once. It's just like it's yeah. like a blur. Yeah. 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 OK, one month. Okay. One month old. So the very first thing that comes to mind for me is a first social smile, not a gassy smile. And for my babies, it was usually a hint around like five weeks old. So shortly after the one month mark, but it was like, was that gas or was that yeah. a smile? Or it was only for mom and no one could like, I didn't catch it on camera. Right. And then really like irrefutably around six weeks old, starting to smile. And then by eight weeks, you know, smiling more often. So that whole 
I mean, it's, I guess it's the second month, but you know what I mean? The one month olds, that yeah. whole month um, was about the, the emergence of the social smile, which is just, it feels like a reward for everything you've endured for the yes. past six weeks. Um, I also kind of associate that month with the, just barely starting to take a baby out in the world a little bit more, just the first couple of times and also therefore picking cute outfits. So I remember like sometimes babies were maybe growing into a zero to three month out of the newborn, or maybe I was putting them in their, my favorite of their newborn outfits before they got too small. Yes. You had bigger newborns. My babies were pretty little. Um, so I remember like taking a lot of pictures of outfits because we actually had some place to go. Not a lot yet, but just maybe one place to go. I feel like this is when I would buy the babies their first pair of jeans oh, yeah. or like little tiny khakis or yeah. something or like a hat. Like yeah. there was just more accessorizing going on. Yeah. Um, and especially with the first baby, this is really when you started to learn how to like pack the bag mm -hmm. and like deal with and, and I'm going to get into this more in the two month section too, but just deal with more with having them out in the world yeah. and like all the things like that you have to get together as a mom because yeah. you like maybe didn't them do that and, at all the first month or right maybe once yeah. right and then diapering them while you're out and feeding them while you're out and like how are you going to navigate all that and that is definitely like a one to two month mm -hmm. thing um so going to two months I actually thought like two months felt to me like when you're no longer in the newborn phase and I actually think that newborns considered up through eight weeks or something I, I think okay. I read that someplace but it's it is kind of foggy yeah. and like a little bit not super clear um and again, you're getting those smiles, maybe even like a little chuckle, Babies starting to do stuff like they're failing often, <laughs> but trying to like cram a fist in their mouth. They're sort of swiping it like they're getting more interested in their surroundings. And it felt to me like standing on the edge of something happening, mm -hmm. but like we're not quite there yet. Like mm -hmm. they're becoming a bait, like a legit baby, mm -hmm. but they're just still kind of like a massive, you know, reflexes and nerves. And um, I also remember by two months, I was out quite kind of a lot in the world. And that's like a little bit of a golden period for a lot of babies because like you can, you're able, you feel better. You feel physically ready to be out. You're starting to get your mojo and your confidence in like your daily schedule. It's starting to look like a thing. Like it's yeah. congealing together as a thing so you can get out. But a two month old can usually still sleep through lunch yep. out or a movie. Like there's lots of stuff that they, they can still turn into like little inert lumps. Yep for just long enough for you to do something fun. And they're not trying to crawl away. They're probably not throwing a fit. Like they're just kind of easy to fit into your life, um, wearing them around or whatever yeah. at that stage. And that's a very brief little moment yeah. before they become more opinionated about Agreed. what they want to be doing. So totally that was agree. my two month impression. I love it. Well, three month olds, uh, I, my first impression actually is more of my mom experience and less about the babies. Um, it was three months was hard for me, especially with baby number two. And I think it had to do with expectations versus reality. Like by three months, I was weary. I, mm. I knew I had had to put in those, you know, long nights of the newborn stages. I expected nighttime sleep to be better. And it wasn't, especially mm. with my second baby or my third baby. But I think I just had more real, realistic right. expectations the third time. I expected to have some energy back or more routine in my day. And I didn't quite yet. I'm sure this varies from kid to kid and, and from mom to mom, but I was kind of frustrated as a mom to a three month old. I think I was ready for that predictability and that like feeling like I had my life together that doesn't come around till probably more like five or six months for me. And I was, my expectations and the reality were not matching up. 
Um, I will say three month old babies are really stinking adorable. They are. And that, that like is on my, one of my lists of like the cutest ages. It, because babies. to strangers or people who aren't a, around a lot of babies, they still look really tiny. Right. People will be like, look at their tiny socks and right. their little fingernails. And in your mind, you're thinking, oh my God, this kid is huge. Right. Because you're, they're maybe 11. And they know stuff. They're smart now. They yeah. can do stuff. Yeah. yeah. But yep. they still look really little the way you carry them around in like the, the car seat and stuff like that. Um, Okay, I cheated. And like I said, I looked up Google photo pictures of Violet at three months. And one more thing that came rushing back is how what a leap in neck strength three months olds have. Now, I know that neck strength is obviously that's a continuum from like for several months. But I was noticing in her three month pictures that um, by the end of the month, we had switched from that like newborn cradle hold or where you're holding them against your chest to where sometimes she was facing out. You're just kind of holding her with your arm around her waist. Yeah, she wasn't sturdy enough to go on the hip yet. but her. Her neck, if it, if we had our arm, like, you know how you almost grab their diaper crotch, like that way. And then they're kind of leaning against you and they're, they're still bobbly. But, um, so I think there's probably quite a bit of neck strength and start to look around and again, not, not sitting yet or being perched on your hip yet, but starting to have some neck strength. I mean, when we're talking about this, I'm just, every time I think about this really clearly, I'm just at in awe over all the things that happen to a baby yeah. in a year. I mean, I can't even like learn a new like embroidery <laughs> stitch in a month. <laughs> you know, like I don't learn anything that fast anymore. And they're doing all of it. Yeah. Their their growth is insane. Their development, their brain, like everything is like in just hyperdrive. Yeah. Like no wonder they cry and sleep a lot. No wonder we're tired. No like, kidding. It's a lot to keep right? up like, with. Like we made that, ha- like we helped yeah. them with that. And that's the big thing. Okay. So how about four month olds? Okay. So four month olds. Okay. Well, this is just like an aside. But you mentioned like developmental things. My teeth, my kids all got teeth freakishly early. Um, they probably all got them starting in their like by three months, but by four months, they had two top teeth fully in. Some of them were already starting to get them their bottom teeth. And the reason that comes to mind is first of all, that does change everything about the way their little faces look. And um, it can make breastfeeding interesting, although with most of mine it wasn't a big deal. Um, it's the bottom teeth that can like get early. Yeah, I think it's bottom teeth sorry, come in first usually. Teeth. The bottom yeah. teeth come in first? Mm-hmm. Typically. I'm not I'm not saying your ki- I mean your kids might have been atypical, but typical bottom teeth come in first. So I was trying to remember that. Okay, so then you're right because the tongue covers the bottom teeth, so usually those ones aren't a problem. Yeah. It's when the top teeth start. Yep, yeah. you're right. Okay, so when the top teeth start coming in and with mine it was like some of them they did still really really early and I was yeah. like this is interesting. Now they can chew on me if they want to. Um not that it was a big deal, but like when they would fall asleep and clamp down. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, um, the reason I thought of that is I think this is probably really common to moms when we have this like irrational pride that our kids did something really early, even though it had nothing to do with skill, intelligence, talent, anything we did, anything they did, like it literally their teeth emerged faster than average. And I was like, well, my baby's got their teeth. And I knew it was ridiculous even when I was doing it, but I still had this weird like mom pride that my kids grew teeth early because of something my genes did or something. So funny. It, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the other thing I think is interesting about four months in my memory is that it felt like that was when the baby started to have really clear preferences about some things and like their patterns started to emerge. Yes. So like breastfeeding patterns, sleep patterns, how active their play was, how much they wanted to play with people who weren't me or play at all really. Um, how much they wanted to lay on their tummies or yes. interest in solids. Like I didn't, the only one of my kids I um, purposely fed solids that early was Jacob. And that was under pressure from my mother-in-law at the time. <laughs> and it was half-hearted at best. And he didn't, it didn't 
take off for him, yeah. take off for him either. But Will was essentially grabbing hands full of food off of my plate at four months. And the others maybe weren't as interested specifically in eating the food, but they wanted to play in it. So it becomes that little dance where you're like holding a baby, kind of doing that, that belly hold in your lap and they're facing yes. out and they're grabbing at everything. Um, Clara and Owen definitely watched me eating with interest. Um, and then, so I think the theme was like four months old, they're starting to become real humans with real personalities and real preferences Yes, that maybe they don't have any ability to even like do anything about just yet, but they're there and you can see them like those yes. distinct personalities. They're not just masses of nerve endings anymore. Yeah. And, and if it's a first time mom, you don't really know any different, but maybe if you have a mom's group or a play group, like I do think that differentiation, I totally agree is a four month thing. And I know you got four months, not me, but I have to say that four months I associate with no longer being able to nap on the go. And I'll get into that as oh. five months, but really it was four months where I was like, okay. Cause the kid, they would fall asleep in the car, but then they'd wake up cause right. things were going on. And yep. so that was the month where I was like, okay, my honeymoon period of like you said, the two month old sleeping through lunch. Right. It was always the aha I had was in the four month arena of like, okay, maybe I'm not going to go to a full nap schedule, but I got to create an environment where this kid can nap longer than 10 minutes. And it was always a surprise every time, right? Yeah. Like there's always that moment with every stage where you're like, oh, right. Right. Like why is he so fussy? Right. Oh, because he keeps falling asleep and getting woken up. And that's so different than a zero to three month old. Right. So, okay, right. well, I'll, I'll just play that right into five months. Cause, um, I, all, I, my first thought was five months old are very grabby or mine were. So you talked about like, will grabbing food off your plate. So yeah, I think I remember five months as really reaching with a lot of intention yes. um, for what they want and, and being stronger and more coordinated to actually get it. Um, so like wanting to hold your phone or your keys. And of course you give them like the play phone and the pretend keys and they somehow, even at five months, like they know, they the, know difference. the difference and right. they want the real thing grabbing their feet and toes, um, not just accidentally or once, but like on purpose, really yeah. with intention and purpose. And that little, uh, that face that they get where they're like really focused on something they want it so bad. That feels like a five month thing yes. to me too. Yep. Mm -hmm. And like, like you said uh, with four months, and that's why I think obviously there's some overlap here, but having opinions about which toy they like their favorites start to emerge. Um, when I had babies who had siblings, I mean like, so not Allegra, but the younger ones, I do feel like four and five months are just in love and infatuated with watching their big siblings. So those kinds of preferences or maybe a favorite grandparent or like a, you know, their, their preferences for people even I think can start to emerge. Do you ever see those videos that people will share and they're not like, these are just regular people sharing videos, but there's often like a baby looking adoringly at their big sibling and laughing. And it's like the cutest thing. And I feel like that's that stage, yeah. like five months yeah. where they're just like, their whole face lights yeah. up and they're chuckling. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like the light of recognition that yeah. you see that this kid remembers that this sister is really fun or that this book is their favorite or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, by five months, my babies were very distracted nurslings actually by even at four months and five months. Um, so nursing Hopping off milk everywhere. Yes. yes. So like the way we structured our days, both because of naps and also not being as it wasn't that I was shy about nursing in public. Right. They just wouldn't eat. So I had to be in a more quiet place or I had to plan feedings not to be on the go. Um, and that definitely was kind of in the five month arena. I will also say, so you mentioned teeth. Um, I also had early teeth. There's just not quite as early as you Allegra had teeth at four months and the other two at five months. 
Um, and Allegra also sat up straight and strong as anything, like a, like a doll baby with this like straight back, really steady at five months, um, which I realize is a little bit early for sitting yeah. independently. Incidentally, she was late on like every other gross motor thing. But I thought, like you said, with the like, like, I don't know, some kind of achievement. And it yeah. was so cute because you could just sit her in the middle of the floor and she'd watch what happened. Um, turns out she did not like being on her tummy. So it led to some other delays, but she could sit right at five months. So yeah, teeth and sitting and yeah, lots of fun things at five months. Okay. Yeah. What I think is really interesting is first of all, my memory is obviously not as good as I thought. Cause I was totally thinking top teeth. And then when you reminded me it was bottoms that made more sense. But I do think there's like a, um, there's a commonality and then there's like the generalization we create in our heads about these things too, which are like a, we've talked about before, like when you look back at, at childhood memory or memories of your kids, like there's the individual memories. And then there's like that, the amalgam, yep. the group memory where you sort of remember all your babies as one baby. And I have a lot of that, like yeah. a lot of that with mine. And so sometimes I actually wonder, like if I went really back and plotted them on a chart, who really would have been doing all these? Like, why is my impression of that month? Yeah. This thing. Uh-huh. And how accurate is it for all of them? Yep. And is it just an impression I got with the, the one who made the largest impression during right. that time? Because I'm sure that happens with like all kids play out certain ages more. Yeah. Um, memorably yeah. than others. And the way that memories happen and the way that milestones happen is you might have a very specific memory of like first steps taken at grandma's house and you can like picture it and you know exactly that it was at Christmas time. Right. But what we get fuzzier about is like, did that baby take right off and were they fully walking within a couple of weeks or like some of my babies where they took first steps at like 12 and a half months yeah. and weren't really walking till 15 or 16 months. Right. Like, so I think sometimes we get the anchor memories that yes. are fixed and then the, um, the continuum is a little misrepresented. Absolutely. Like, did, yeah. was that a thing that happened really suddenly or was that, did that take place over three months? And I'm just remembering like the apex of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Sarah, we're welcoming our sponsor, Element. That's spelled L-M-N-T, a zero sugar electrolyte drink that leans on current science about what our bodies really need in order to deliver the most effective hydration possible. 
You know, Sarah, Eric is really into keeping up with health research, and he's been insisting to me for years that we actually need more salt to stay hydrated. Turns out Element agrees because they've developed their product based on a growing body of research that shows that for optimal health outcomes, we actually need to be taking in sodium levels at two to three times government recommendations. That's a big difference. Yeah, it really is, Megan. And, you know, electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause headaches, cramps, fatigue, brain fog, and weakness. I know I can feel really rotten when I'm dehydrated. And also, I don't love the taste of plain water, so I'm not that great about drinking it. Element makes a huge difference in how much I'm enjoying my hydration and in how I feel, and it's super easy to fit it into my daily routine. My favorite flavor of Element is the grapefruit, but if that's not for you, we're going to get you set up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite Element flavor. Plus, Element has a no-questions-asked refund policy. You don't even have to send the product back to get your refund. Yeah, you can receive a free Element sample pack containing one packet of eight flavors, so you'll get eight total packets free with any order when you purchase through our custom URL. That's drinkelement.com slash momhour. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash mom hour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and it's available for both new and returning customers. To get that offer, again, go to drinkelement.com slash mom hour. All right, Megan. So talk to me about your memories of six month olds. Okay. So six month old, six months is where I feel like I had a weird milestone amnesia. And I know that we've talked about that, like being surprised when things happen that already happened with two, three or more babies that happened to me a lot. Like, oh, right. So this is when they do this, or this is when they do that. I feel like at six months, I almost had like an opposite where six months feels so momentous. You're like halfway through the first year and it feels like things should be happening very quickly at six months. And I'd be like, why is that baby still not able to sit up in their high chair very well? Like, I feel like they should be walking by now. And then I'd have to like (laughs) go consult a book and be like, oh no, calm down. Like they're, they're totally on. So there was like almost a, not exactly an anxiety, but a forward lookingness. Like Mm -hmm. now that we've passed the first six months where they were like this floppy, helpless creature. Now they're getting skills, like real skills that look more like toddler skills. And in my mind, I'm expecting them to happen quicker. Right. Or to happen all at once. Like or to you, happen. You flip yes. over to the second half of that first year yeah. and now you're doing all the things. Yeah. And I think that six months is the time when those milestones feel like they're starting to speed up. Like they are, you know, most babies are starting to sit, at least try assisted. to sit. Unass- yeah. unass- assisted. Assisted yeah. and part maybe can hold up themselves yeah. up a little bit unassisted. Or maybe if they're in a bumbo or like, yeah. um, you know, surrounded by like, pillows in a high chair or something, they can, they can kind of hold themselves up, but that doesn't mean they can just like go from like lying down to sitting up and hold themselves there to play. Like that's not necessarily what's happening at that age. Or, um, they might be getting up on their hands and knees and rocking, but that doesn't mean they're actually doing anything that looks anything like crawling. They might be rolling around or scooting, but like, and all babies are different. So some are, and some won't for months yet. But like, I just think for me, I had to like kind of calm myself down and remind myself that they're at the very beginning of that sturdy, mobile, toddlerish, looking forward older stage, baby, yeah. older baby stage. Yeah. They're not there yet. Yeah. They're still babies yeah. and it's going to take some time and some patience. And I'm sure Jacob was my first. That was probably when I had to remind myself of that the most. But yeah. I do feel like every single time I got back to that stage, I'd be like, well, there's six months. Like, shouldn't they be, I don't know, serving yeah. themselves breakfast yeah. by now or something? And then I'd have to remember that's not how it works. Well, that sounds very similar to how I said I was at the three month mark. And it was more about me. And like, it was more that like, I feel like three months, like we, we should have gotten ourselves together by now. We should have like a predictable schedule. So yeah. Right. Expectations versus reality. 
Okay, seven-month-olds, I mean, once they can go in the shopping cart, that is pretty much the greatest thing. Now, that might happen at four or five months or nine months for you, but I think we were just talking about sitting and sitting propped up or unassisted. Something about plopping them in the grocery cart feels like a six- to seven-month milestone for me, and it just felt so fun for me as a mom And also for the baby, there is a fussiness that happens a few times in the first year, I think, actually in the first couple years, and it might happen at different months for your baby, but it's a fussiness that always felt like that baby was ready for more of the world than you were giving them. Yeah. And it might be because they were really wanted to crawl, but they weren't quite there yet. Or it might be because they wanted to face out in the carrier and you'd been facing them in. And sometimes it wasn't safe for them to, to do that next thing. Or sometimes you just hadn't tried it yet, but I always felt like there was something that clicked when I could give that baby more exposure to the world than they'd had before. And riding in the grocery shopping cart is just one example, but there's other ways to do that, taking them out more or maybe letting them socialize with other babies. And there would be like a happiness. They would just be happier. It was like they were, it was a cooped up kind of fussiness where like this baby is ready to experience the world more. And I'm thinking of all these COVID babies who that was different this right. past year. But for me, it was more like, oh, he's so happy now because yeah. he can sit up and see the world from a different vantage point. So I think of a seven-month-old riding around in a grocery cart and just, I find it so adorable. And I also got a lot of satisfaction as a mom thinking about how to like, how do we level up to that yeah. like interaction with the world? Um, I have two thoughts about that. One, I to build on what you're saying about wanting to be like, sit, like looking up and having a different vantage point. Um, you know, those, the built in like reclined baby bucket seats that uh-huh. are in, those really weren't a thing when Jake and Isaac yeah. were babies. Those really kind of came about when Will was little. And I remember all three of my babies when they were, when those were a thing, really resisting them by about five, six months. Mm-hmm. And so there'd be a phase where they weren't really big enough to sit up on their own yet, but they would be straining yeah. against the chest straps and like, trying desperately to sit up and it was painful to watch their necks are all strained and they're like trying to sit up and they can't. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with you. Like I could, you know, I can't really, I would sometimes wear them, but it's really hard to do that in the grocery store because your arms, you don't have the range of motion and they desperately wanted to sit up. But I knew if I put them in the sitting up, like with their legs through the thing, they would just be flopping all over the place and it wasn't going to work. And that was a very frustrating little short window of time. And then when they could get it, it was like, oh, and the other thing I really remember doing from that period until they outgrew it at like, you know, two years old or three years old or whatever was, well, I guess older than that. I think I still put my four-year-olds in there, but, um, was just like doing a lot of like the walk kissing Mm -hmm. and like the, and I see moms doing that in the grocery store sometimes. And it just makes me so happy. Like the, just like you're walking in their little heads, like really close to yours. You're talking to them. And you're like swooping in, like giving them little smooches and like, I don't know, you're just playing. The whole thing is just play. And you're going really slow. I remember like pushing with like one hand and like just going super duper slow and taking forever to get to the store. But it was just a really fun time. I love it. What about eight month olds? Well, I always loved eight months old. Like I feel like seven to nine months was for me kind of a sweet spot. And I think eight was just right in the epicenter of that. Um, I just feel like you had this fun little sidekick you could hold on your hip. They're doing stuff, but they're still cuddly and they still are like, you know, wrapped up in you and somewhat containable. Maybe not like if they're the kind that walk really early, maybe not as containable, but I think they're always still happy to snuggle and sit on your lap or sit in a carrier or whatever. 
Um, and they've filled out by this phase. So a lot of babies, I mean, I didn't, I was a very skinny baby, but a lot of babies <laughs> have really chubby cheeks and they've just had that like round look and they babble a yeah. lot and they sound like they're about to talk, but mm-hmm. like, it doesn't really sound like words yet. And they cram their feet in their mouths and they're just like silly and funny. It's like a doll. Yes. They're like yeah. silly, funny little animated dolls that you get to carry around, but they aren't so big and wiggly yet that you have to feel like you have to put them down every five seconds and they want to run away or whatever. Yeah. So I just remember that as being kind of exhausting because they are getting mobile and you really do have to look at your house and space in a whole brand new way. And yeah. Sometimes there, there's that awkwardness of like, I got to a party, say, backyard barbecue. My baby's not big enough to put down because yeah. they can't walk yet. Yet I don't want to stand here holding them on yeah. my hip for three hours. Right. What do I do? And I do remember like a little bit of that awkwardness, but they're also the kind of age where they're great to pass around. Yes. And so, yeah. Yeah. I just really loved that phase. I mean, I think you and I probably have an overlapping stage that we love because we've talked about this before and you're defining it as seven to nine. And I would almost say like eight to 10 or eight to, but I love, I mean, I love the whole second half of the year, honestly. So I, I will, I will co-sign your love of eight month olds for nine months. I also love a nine month old. Like give me your nine month olds. I'm going to talk about crawling just because two of my three babies crawled that month. Um, Violet army crawled at six months. She was my most mobile. Um, and then on her hands and knees at nine and Reed just crawled at nine. But in general, my babies were all later gross motor skills, um, crawling and walking and pulling up and standing. And I was very jealous of moms whose babies crawled at five, six or seven months. Like I, it just felt like such a momentous, like such an achievement crawling because it just was like, I don't know. And I was, je- I was really jealous of moms with crawling babies because Allegra never crawled and it felt like waiting forever. Um, and there's just something so like, it's like cartoonish, like a crawling baby looks like, like a cartoon. It's just yeah. so yes. cute the way they yes. like, like derp, 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 yeah, it's, yeah. it's, or like a, um, like a little, uh, this is going to get me in trouble. Like a little animal, like a little, like a little yeah. pet. It's like, yeah. there's something adorable about crawl hands and knees crawling to me. And I was always a little bit jealous because mine didn't do it or didn't do it till later. Um, also at nine months, another thing I remember is feeling like I was done with the very awkward and unpleasant first few months of introducing solids because when I was introducing solids and I think the guidelines are different today, but it was so graduated and like one fruit or vegetable at a time pureed and wait till they see if they are allergic. It was a job. It was a job. It was yeah. very hard to do on the go. It was incredibly messy. It was unrewarding because they half the time didn't eat it. And I did not enjoy any of pureed spoon feeding fruits and veggies at all. And I'm really happy that most of you, I think these days get to just um, like do a little more baby led weaning and just yeah. give them whatever Self-feed, you're eating. Yeah. And yeah. like that's when I got to nine months. And I think that's why I put it under nine months by nine months. The list of things they couldn't have was down to like shellfish, honey, peanut butter at that time, but it was a shorter list and I could pretty much give them what we were eating and just mash it up and let them pick it up. And that was such a relief to me. Like six to nine months in solid feeding was like two thumbs down from me. I just want to quickly like, um, this is like a, to, to piggyback on that. And this is kind of a universal thing that can apply to a lot of parenting practices. There were already a lot of voices promoting what is now considered safe and healthy ways to feed your baby when Jacob was a baby. So, yeah. And those voices were not really respected in medical circles. And like, you would get kind of looked at weird if you let your baby self feed an avocado hunk when they were five months old, like I did. (laughs) Um, or like Isaac really was never interested in, in solids till he, I mean, he 
weaned later than my other kids, but also he was just didn't care. He just didn't. And he was a really chubby baby. So he was obviously well fed um, on my breast milk. No wonder I weighed nothing. But <laughs> like it, it just even in those days, there were people sounding the alarm and saying the way we're feeding babies right now that's recommended isn't correct. Like it's not right. It's, it's not supported by science. It's not supported developmentally. It's not supported by like, you know, thousands of years of like history. And that's happening right now in something like some, something, some mom is listening to right now. Like the science is already emerging and like the conventional wisdom hasn't caught up yep. yet. And I guess I just want to lay out like a, like a big thumbs up for if you're looking at that stuff. And I don't think you have to follow it to the T. I don't think you have to be like the big change maker in your friend group or like make a point about feeding your babies differently or yeah. whatever the thing is. We're carrying them differently yeah. or having them wear different kinds of shoes or whatever the thing is right now. But if you're really into something and you feel like it resonates with you and you feel like you're, it makes sense to you, then like probably at some point, the conventional wisdom will shift yeah. and it will support something you're doing right now yeah. anyway. So I always love looking back, back in retrospect and saying, oh, that thing I was doing that felt so rebellious, turns out I was right. Yeah. And like sometimes turns out I wasn't, or sometimes maybe everyone was right. And there really was no, right. like it didn't have to be. It's like, maybe there was nothing wrong with feeding your baby this way, but there also was nothing wrong with feeding your baby the way I did yeah. it. They were all like on a spectrum, like on a continuum of correct ways to do it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I, there have to be recommendations for a reason. There's a reason why things are recommended at a public level. Yep. Agreed. Keeps everybody on track it, and it gives you a universal way. Like when you go see your pediatrician, it gives them a universal way to say this baby's doing like kind of just keep an eye on it without yep. having to reinvent the wheel every time. Right. And there, and there is, there's a reason for well-researched data studies as right. we know. I mean, we're living through this with the pandemic but I totally agree with you. And I love, I love every story you have of your more, your more quote unquote alternative right. practices at the time, which we now get 20 years of hindsight to be like, well, oh, yeah, duh, that's just the way you. it's done. Right. Yeah. I know. I know. Sometimes it can be kind of lonely to be in that place. And also it can also feel like you have to then be like the poster child for all the things that are different. Right. And you don't, neither one is true. No. Like you don't have to make any statement about it. You don't yeah. have to try to get your friends on board. You, you can just do your thing. Yep. And it's probably going to be fine. Yeah. And um, that's just like a total there aside. There we go, tagline. There you <laughs> do your thing and it's probably going to be fine, but we're not and sure. And if it's not, don't come back don't and blame ask us. me about it because I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think it's up. It's you ten on 10 month olds. Okay. So I know we have a differing opinion about this. And this is probably one of those where I have one kid in particular where it sticks out mm -hmm. and that's why it's colored my opinion yes. of 10 months. And I have a reason for why I think we're different too. Okay. Continue. Well, 10 month old for me, 10 months old was like the beginning of the toddler danger zone. And you and I both have things about toddlers. Mm -hmm. I will say my kids all got gross motor skills pretty early. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's why we're the different. reason. Yeah. So my kids were all very much crawling by 10 months. Some of them were walking by 10 months. I want to say at least Oh, Clara might've been a later crawler because she just got carried around <laughs> by her brothers all the time. But she she kind of bucked all my trends. She was just an easy baby, easy toddler, like easy yeah. all through. Like she's never really had a super hard phase. Um, but the rest of the boys, like they were early to get into trouble. They were early to start whining. They were early to start clinging. Now, how much they whined depend on their verbal skills. Yeah. So the ones that weren't early talkers were more whiny, mm -hmm. but they all seemed to really want to be verbal mm -hmm. by about 10 months. Um, also, 
I feel like their separation anxiety was starting to peak. And I know yeah. people really talk about that with like six and seven months old. That was not my experience. Like at six and seven, if I handed a baby off to dad or my sister and left the room, the baby might fuss and look for me, but then they kind of would just be easily distracted and forget. And I felt like by 10 months, they, they knew what was up. Yes. They knew Object I was permanence. Gone. They knew you existed. Right. And they knew I wasn't coming back anytime soon. I don't think they had this like naivete. Like they know what it, they knew what it looked like for me to put my shoes and jacket on yeah. and leave the house. Yeah. Like, and they did not want any part of that. And I just remember 10 months being a time where I didn't get out very much because it wasn't worth it. That being a stage where I felt like suddenly I felt like now I should be able to go out. I should be able to hand my 10 month old off to a sit like a caretaker, um, my sibling or like a trusted adult that they love, they know and love and have attachment to. And I should be able to leave for a few hours. And actually at 10 months, it was way worse yeah. than it had been any time up to then. So um, there was just a lot of that. I felt like my life just kind of consisted of being clung to or whined at, not being able to go anywhere and also having to keep them alive because they were climbing and, and crawling and walking and yeah. getting into stuff. So, you know, I, I feel like we need to always remind people that we really do love children and yes. even, even toddlers. Oh, totally. Um, but you and I both just thought that that was a really hard phase. And for me, it started kind of early. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'm going to, since we're okay on time, so I'm yeah. going to piggyback by offering my thoughts on 10-month-olds and then we can, we can both talk about kind of approaching the first birthday. I would say, actually, I agree with all of those things about 10-month-olds. And there's a couple of reasons why I think my experience was a little different. And one was, I bet your babies were bigger than mine at 10 months. Like, they I, I know big. you had big boys. Yep. And my, well, actually, Elena, even Clara was big. They were all, Clara was my babe, littlest at eight, eight um, pounds, six ounces at birth. The biggest was 10, two, and they all became big. Like yeah. they were all large babies. So Allegra was actually a huge baby, but I, um, but she was not, she didn't have any gross motor skills except sitting at 10 months. She literally didn't go anywhere. So that part was easy. And all three of my babies were <laughs> just really picturing a lump like Grimace from, uh, remember from, um, uh, McDonald's. Yeah. In the days like yes. that purple lump. Yes. yes. Um, she was <laughs> wide eyed and looked around and observed everything and didn't yeah. go anywhere. Um, the other two were not as heavy and um, all three were early, very early verbal communicators. So um, 10 and 11 months, they were signing and pointing and communicating really pretty well. They weren't like speaking in sentences, but they had they had words. Actually, yeah. Reed had words at eight months. Real yeah. words. It's pretty crazy. The girls both had words at 10, like 10 and a half months. So by 11 months, all three of them had real meaningful ways to communicate. That doesn't mean they didn't whine or cling. Like when you were talking, right. I, like a lot of that was tracking with me. I'm like, oh yeah, that, that is also hard about 10 months. But I think because they weren't as big as yours, they weren't running around. Violet was a little bit of a danger baby, but still um, not walking. None of yeah. them were even close to walking at 10 months. So they were more portable than yours and they maybe were more verbal. And yeah. so just those two little differences. Um, I still think of 10 months. I group them with like that eight, nine months we were talking about. Cause it feels like an extension. And yeah. I, I, what I'm hearing from you is yours were ready to go into that next stage. That's really hard, which is like the 12 to 18, what I think it yeah. was like 12 to 18. And it might've been, you know, it may have been that it was actually one of my babies who was that way, like the very end of their 10 month right. phase. Right. And it might've actually been more like an 11, 12, but I definitely remember feeling a little exhausted before any of their first birthdays, yep. just feeling like, okay, well, enough of this. The opinionatedness for sure starts, I feel like, and maybe that's where we can wrap up is like the opinionatedness starts right around that leading up to the first birthday. And like you talked about five month olds and four months old differentiating and like making their mm -hmm. preferences knows. But like, I feel like an 11 turning 12 month old has 
a whole bunch of independence and opinion, opinions, opinionatedness yeah. that can seem to come out of nowhere if they've just been your happy little sidekick, like we talked about in the grocery cart. So that can yeah. be kind of a shock. Well, and they, and, and anywhere in this phase, um, 10, 11 months, maybe right on through like 16, 17, 18, there is that like weird conflict or tension where they love you so much. They want you so much. They're like, they're so attached to you. And a, a very attached baby by this stage is very, very attached. Like yes. they are on you. They are like and big yeah, and big. <laughs> um, but they also at the same time reject you mm-hmm. every day. Like you're being rejected and like loved maybe hit in the face, right? Like they want you so bad, but then they're going to smack you. And then like, they're mad at you. Maybe they're like, you know, they could be doing all kinds of behaviors that just yes. like, aren't really okay. But at the same time, they don't want to let you go. And it can be like for a mom, a little stifling and also confusing. <laughs> I feel like that was Violet from like 10 months to five. Just <laughs> if we're being honest. Old. Yes. Five yeah. years old. Five yeah. years old. Yeah. Yeah. Just if we're yeah. being honest. Oh my gosh. We'll wrap up our, our year one, Sarah, with 11 months. Okay. Well, I think with 11 months continuing kind of what we were just talking about, um, I remember lots of fun anticipation of the first birthday, which I always treated as like almost like a momentous thing for me. Like yeah. I made it a year you did it, yeah, and yeah. it would always be, I didn't get super sad around my baby's first birthdays, but I would get a little nostalgic and yeah. be like, wow, like I can't believe this whole year. And so I feel like it feels momentous, like, like a graduation or a, anything that you celebrate, like to mark a passage of something. So I remember lots of fun anticipation of a first birthday. And then that continued for my babies, that explosion of language and comprehension, things like playing peekaboo, hide and seek, pointing, clapping, signing. Um, It felt like the acquisition of language and and by language acquisition, I don't just mean words because it is hard for an 11 month old to say a lot of real words. And some may have a few and some may have none, but there's a a light in their eyes that you see when you know they understand you. Mm -hmm. And it's, we, okay, this is a little side story, but there's a Curious George movie that my preschoolers loved where the whole movie, the man with the yellow hat cannot understand what George is trying to tell him because George speaks in like, right, right. at the very end, he goes, he figures it out, the man with the yellow hat, and he goes, I understand my monkey. And Brian and I always used that when like, finally, like you understand each other. And we would always say that, like, if the, if the baby was pointing to something and like trying to communicate what they wanted and we'd get it, we'd be like, I understand. Um, and so 11 months, I think was a big one in that kind of communication with your baby. And then that just like continues exploding on into the toddler years. They do feel like up until that phase, they do feel kind of like this adorable yet like undecipherable little pet, like, you know, and then suddenly it's like, whoa, we're talking to each other. Even if it's not always with real words, right? Um, they you just get what they're yes trying the, to tell they'll you. point and you'll re, you'll respond in regular English sentences, and then they'll shake their head and like you can have an entire conversation with a ten or eleven month old, and they some of them are not even you wouldn't even call them verbal, but they're they're communicative, and that right. was just so exciting to me. I love this just because this is just reminding me um, this whole conversation of so many things I witness out in the world that I love to see, and one of them is when I hear the one-sided conversations yeah. happening between a mom or a dad yes. and a, and a little, like a toddler, yeah. like a one-ish year old. Yeah. And you can't, to the untrained ear to that baby, you can't understand anything they're saying. If right. they're even saying anything right. at all, they might not even be uttering words. It right. could just be grunts 
but the mom is like repeating back to them yes. what what she sees them saying. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I'm just like, oh, I used to do that. Like, know. you know, it's like, making me like tear I know, up. me too. But you're I just know. like watching them go, oh, yeah, that you want that? Rah, 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 rah. Yeah. Like whatever the baby is saying, no words. Like it's just pointing and eh. And then the mom totally knows what they want, reflects it back yes. to them and then gives them what they want. And then the baby is happy yes. or says no. We can't have that right yeah. now, but whatever it is. Oh, I'm getting all teary. Now you get to see me. I love it. Um, but it's just like, I just think that that's like a, like it's, it's a magic. magic. It's like a magic trick. It's like a superpower that that ability to do that um, fades so quickly because yeah. we don't have to do it yeah. with older kids. Like yeah. we just lose that ability. And when I think about how exhausting, like we've talked about how exhausting different phases are of motherhood. Well, think about when that much of your brain power is going just toward communicating with someone who doesn't say words, your doesn't speak English, um, who is in, entirely creating a new language with you. Of course you're tired. Yes. Of course you're like, of course you're mentally exhausted, yes. but it's also probably making you like way smarter yeah. in some cool way that yeah. will translate into something down the road that you can't even I have picture. to pat myself on the back a little bit. I don't know if I'll lose this as time goes on, but my sister has a three and a half coming up on four-year-old and a almost two-year-old. And I really, because of the pandemic and stuff, like I don't see these babies very often. I FaceTime with them and my sister and my mom both are always like, you understand them so well. I'm like, but I speak, I still speak toddler. Like yeah. I still know it's a combination of, um, nonverbal communication and pointing Body language. And, and also my ear still remembers what an attempt at language sounds like. I yeah. mean, every, every toddler has their own, some have a lisp or some don't say ours, but I've been around enough of them. And so I just, I don't know if I got lucky with these two little blonde babies, but I, I feel like I understand them. And even my sister will be like, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I am fluent in toddler. <laughs> um, well, I was going to suggest, Megan, that today and tomorrow on our Facebook and Instagram, we could have people. So in our Facebook, if you're in our group and on our Instagram, you could just DM us. But post or send us or tag us in um, a picture of an infant of yours. And if you don't have babies like us, you could do a past picture or a current picture and just make a little note of what month they're in and what they're oh, up to. And yeah. we if you, you know, I, we'll, we'll assume you're giving us permission to kind of share these if you do send them to us. And, you know, we didn't cover all the milestones today. Oh, we didn't many, many, many. We didn't even touch some. them. Yeah. So I just feel like it's so fun to see this first year is one year, but it's really like 12 monthly like journeys. Yes. yes. So let's share some cute baby pictures today and tomorrow I love on, it. on the Insta and the Facebook. And, um, we'll, we'll just, you guys send those to us, um, within the platforms, preferably. I don't know if we'll get to it if you email. So DM us on Instagram or post it in the Facebook group and we'll just all just ogle each, ogle, ogle, ogle each, each other's, baby. each other's we're gonna, babies. We're going to, yes, we're going to look lovingly at each other's babies. Yes. I can't wait. Well, we'll be back uh, next Tuesday. And in that episode, Sarah and I will not be sharing the same space because I will be back home in Michigan by then. But we'll be back in your ears and that's what matters. Okay, well, we'll be back next Tuesday. Talk to you then. Hey, everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening and left the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. 
Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%. 